Hello and welcome aboard another episode of the Gallant Says Podcast. I am Paul Gallant and this podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, you can even watch the whole thing on YouTube. On today's show, it's going to be a quick one. We're saving some takes for later. Why? Because I'm back on the radio. ESPN 97.5 hired me and I'm going to be doing a show that you can hear every single weekday from 10 central time till noon called Vanessa and Gallant. My co-host is Vanessa Richardson, who used to work at KPRC, Channel 2, locally here in Houston, and I'm really excited to get to work with her. We did a couple of practice shows together. We met for the first time at that Seahawks-Texans game, sat down at lunch. I didn't know that that sit-down was going to lead to us eventually having a show together, but I'm really excited to get started. It starts this coming Monday. So that means there's going to be some changes to the Galan Says podcast, which of course has been rather sporadic of late. I'm trying to make things a little bit easier for myself. So what's going to happen is we're going to actually move this to a daily podcast. (laughs) That doesn't seem to make any sense, right? Well, here's what's going to happen. After, at least for this first week of shows, I'm going to be doing this show live on Twitch to give us back, to get us back to our more interactive days because I feel like The show's at its best when I am talking with you guys. The best way to do that these days is on an app called Twitch. So if you haven't already, twitch.tv slash Gallant says every single weekday at 2 central time, we will be on live. The show will still be podcasted. The show will also still be on YouTube after the fact. But if you want to get in first, twitch.tv slash Gallant says. We're going to talk to Vanessa in just a moment. A couple of things, though, I wanted to discuss really quickly before I get there. First off, I hate that this industry is as bloody as it is, and I hate that great opportunities for some mean someone else is likely going to end up getting the boot, and that's what happened to Charlie Palillo. I don't know Charlie Palillo particularly well, but I do know that Charlie Palillo is one of the best sports voices in Houston. He's been doing it for a part of four decades here in the city. He has been there for Rockets championships and brings a wealth of knowledge to the table when it comes to sports talk. And I've got big shoes to fill, but I hate how unceremoniously people are kick to the curb in this industry. I've obviously found it out firsthand, both at 610 and at 710 in Seattle. It sucks, especially when someone is really, really good at their job. So I will share a brief Charlie Palillo memory, and it has to do with something that my uncle once told me. My uncle has been living here in Houston for also now. (laughs) This is his fourth decade here, and he told me that he was listening to sports radio back in the day when it was first starting. And Palillo got onto some conversation talking about some of the best tight ends in NFL history. And my uncle, being from Philadelphia, brought up Pete Retzlaff, who played for the Philadelphia Eagles back in the day. And Palillo knew him right away. Oh, yeah, number 44 in the Philadelphia Eagles. The guy's an encyclopedia of sports knowledge. And I'm looking forward to see where he ends up next. It sucks that... This is how this industry works. And I just feel like someone has to acknowledge the fact that this guy's a fucking radio legend in Houston. So I I, I wish Charlie the best and 
you know what? For all I know, I'll probably be competing against him in the near future. Anyway, another thing I wanted to talk about, and I figure there's going to be a lot of people listening to this podcast because of the announcement that I just made. But for those who don't know, I considered myself an honorary Washington State Cougar when I was in Seattle. I think that Cougs are very fun people. A lot like myself, I feel like they care about being friendly. They care about having a good time in as many places as they possibly can. And I met some awesome Cougs while I was in Seattle, including a guy who ended up being a friend of mine. A guy who you always felt like would take the shirt off his back for you, who was there for me, one of the first people to reach out to me when he found out that I got let go. A guy who came to my birthday party despite barely knowing me. A guy who had offered to teach me how to drive a boat up there on his own boat, on his own time. His name is Gordy Anderson, and he passed away a couple of months ago. A wonderful human being, and a guy who was a Washington State Cook, played football at South Kitsap High School, walked on at Washington State, and while he had a back injury, still stayed a part of the Cougs program. You know, he joined the coaching staff, and clearly a guy who absolutely loved football, but he also loved human beings. I went to his memorial service right before I moved from Seattle to Texas, and I was blown away by the amount of people that were there. I mean, you really know how much one life touches others when you see the kind of outpouring that comes when something tragic happens to them. There was like 350 people there, and everyone had such positive stories to say about Gordy, who was this warm human being, and I... Miss the guy already, and I know that those closest to him, his wife, uh, my friend Andre, others, that they've told so many fantastic stories about him. And I, I feel like we can all kind of remember Gordy in a way by helping with something that has been set up. It's the Washington State Cougar Athletics Fund, Gordy Anderson Memorial Scholarship. It's essentially a endowment fund that will provide financial assistance to walk-on football players at Washington State. As someone who always wanted to walk on but never actually had the stones to do it, I don't think there's many things that are cooler than something like that. And even better, just to show you the amount of people that loved Gordy, $35,000 raised already, and we're talking about only a couple of months. I feel like we can add more. Because I think that Gordy is someone who deserves to be remembered. So I'll have a link to the fund if you want to contribute in your own way to my, on my, in my podcast description. Um, I'll have a, a small, uh, what is it, the QR code on the YouTube version of the show as well in case that doesn't work for you. But Gordy Anderson was an awesome person. And this is a great way that we all can remember him. Anyway. I'm really excited for Monday. I don't know how you naturally transition out of that. But 
Vanessa and I are looking forward to putting on a kick-ass show. And if you want to get to know Vanessa a little bit more, I caught up with her for this week's episode. A radio show host in Seattle called Paul Gallant. I was just kind of curious what Paul gets to see. You are definitely living in the hindsight world today, Paul. You grow up, mother Are you kidding me? Paul Gallant, what the hell is wrong with you? Joining me right now on the Galan Says Podcast is my new partner in crime. The one, the only, Vanessa Richardson at Sports Vanessa on Twitter, formerly of KPRC, now on radio. Vanessa, what's up? Paul, thank you for having me on this prestigious podcast. It's so prestigious. We get to swear. We can swear here. You can swear here. Yes, just not on the radio. Okay. We'll learn this like slowly over time. So you're transitioning from TV to radio, what led you to make that transition? Cause I remember the first time we talked, you were like, yeah, TV, eh, I want to try something new. Yeah, no, it's a fair question. It's, I mean, I think you have to, you would have to understand, which it's not that hard to understand, lo- just the way local news works, which is, it's a great way to start your career. And if you're somebody that's been in it for a while, like, um, Randy McAvoy or Greg Bailey or Mark Berman or whatever, and you're at that level, it's great, but you, you're very limited on what you can do. So, you know, you have, if you're a reporter, you have a one minute sports cast every day or a one minute sports report. If you're in studio, you may have a two minute sports cast. Other than that, you're just not doing a lot of growing as a media, whatever you want, personality, journalist, whatever. Um, and so I just had an itch to do more. I had an itch to do more than a one minute report. And I, I was able to do a little bit of that at KPRC. Like the Luno interview was obviously long form. I did a, some, some longer stories on like Marcus Jones from U of H. So every now and then I would get to pop out in a longer feature or a longer interview. But for the most part, you're just very limited. So, um, it just was, was that time to kind of decide, do I want to keep doing this job where I'm shooting, editing, producing, doing all this behind the scenes for one minute on air or go somewhere where I'm going to podcast, write articles, have a live show, obviously with you, it'll be streamed on Twitch. I mean, it just, for what I wanted was a better opportunity. And I say for what I wanted, because it's not that local news jobs are bad at all. It's just when you're wanting to grow as a really whatever, it's better to do something that's more long form, I think. And I'll tell you this, it's just more fun. You know, yeah. I've, <laughs> right. I, I've had people ask me, hey, why don't you do TV? You're not ugly. Maybe you should try this. And I always thought to myself, well, I know how hard people in TV work. They work a lot harder than me. You got to do all those things that you were laying out. It's all for one minute or two and a half minutes. Yeah. You, you don't seem to have weekends. I mean. Never. And that's that, the thing. I, I was weekend anchor, right? Sorry not to interrupt you. But so that's the other thing is never a weekend. And that's nuts. I have a weird situation where like I have a sick parent, my dad. So I, I wasn't seeing my parents. I wasn't. So there was a lot like I could probably talk about this for an hour of why I decided to leave local news, but the long and the, I mean, the simplest and, and most potent explanation is just that I wanted, um, you know, to grow more as in like the media world. Well, we are in a podcast. So, I mean, you could keep going. We, we don't have any time limits. There are okay, no commercial well, breaks here. If you really want to get into I'm it, this is your place. This. I'm not used to this. Yeah. 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 It was a lot of, um, 
it was a lot of like we talked about and you have so many friends that work in media um you're just doing so much behind the scenes which I think is great and you you know pay your dues and all of that but um when you look at the way and where media is going and I'm always going to use the example of Pat McAfee because I know that group of guys and Pat was in Indy when I was in college and um you know he's a good example of somebody that he just did it his way and um you know worked for Bob and Tom in Indianapolis which is a legendary comedy radio show and then when he left I actually worked with them for a while and then he was with Barstool and then he took a huge risk and started not everybody's going to be Pat McAfee I'm not going to be Pat McAfee but my point is is that 10 20 years ago everybody did the same thing which is you either did radio or print or tv and now it's very multimedia so i just think then that's kind of a separate like interesting conversation if you're a media nerd like these conversations are interesting um so yeah i just wanted to do something where i could be more of a multi-platform journalist and um certainly love radio but the fact that our new bosses, David and Todd and Jason, the fact that I said, Hey, I want to write. Um, I might want to do some long form interviews and maybe we play them on the radio or maybe they just become podcasts that we stick on the page. And, you know, I want to cover the NFL combine and make content, you know, and do the show remote. They just are very open to innovation and creativity. So that's kind of the more in-depth version because I think whenever you switch medium still people that are old school are like you're going from tv to radio <laughs> but you know that it's not that simple anymore it's like you're you're doing something that's more in-depth so yeah I mean it was an interesting move that I think a lot of people might not have understood but I know what I'm getting into and I like it and I like what I'm about to get into for sure. I'm excited to see you in this field and, and it's <laughs> going to be fun to do something new. I, I, I know for myself, like having done this for such a long period of time, there is a part where you're like, Hey, what the fuck's next for anybody that's yeah. in this industry for a really long time. And while I did obviously radio here and I did like a little local TV show where it was just me and John Lopez goofing off essentially, <laughs> like it was yeah. the most, it's the most unprofessional well, sports show ever. There was a I show. There's a show that we did once, Vanessa, where we did a uh, combine where it was like an Olympic event where me and uh, Melissa Henderson, who used to play for the Houston Dash, were shooting BB guns and then running a lap around the building. And we were trying to see who finished first. Like it was it was really dumb, but we were having fun. But yeah. in this industry, if you're not doing a million different things or trying to do a million different things, you're going to turn into a dinosaur overnight. And it's something that I'm trying myself to do the same thing with. And it's great that you're going to be doing all those things. And I, I'm with you in that the, the long form interviews, those are the best kind of interviews. Right. It's one of the weird things that both radio and TV don't quite get it, but I, I'm glad you brought up a little bit earlier, the Jeff Luno interview. Cause this is, yeah. this is your like, Whoa, who the hell is this? She's grilling the general manager, former general manager of the Houston Astros. So everyone should Google that if you haven't seen it already. Going into that interview, what were you thinking? And afterwards, what do you think about that moment in time? Well, I appreciate that. I mean, it, look, everybody, like every journalist and TV person has probably one interview or whatever that they're really proud of. And that's obviously I'm 26 years old, so I, I still have a lot to go, hopefully. But that's been mine. Um, 
built a really great relationship with Jeff and his whole family. Um, really respected them, really liked them. And it was a great thing uh, for me. And he and his family really appreciated it because he wanted to just do an interview and be done with it and then take time to decide what he wants to do next, which he has because he hasn't talked publicly in a very, very, since the interview. Um, so yeah, I mean, I guess looking back on that, it, what it was like was um, I went to my bosses at KPRC and I was like, well, I, I want to do this interview. And um, luckily my bosses were like, okay, well, let's do it right. And so we set up shop in his house and had a, two different photographers, a, uh, what's it call it? I don't know. One of the little cameras. Why am I forgetting what a GoPro? Oh, wow. and just had like, you know, it was very professional and I had bullet points of what I wanted to ask him, but I, I also just kind of let the interview go where it wanted to go. And look, whenever you do an interview with somebody that's just been through controversy, like I even knew back then, there are going to be people that think that you're not hard, hard on them enough. There are going to be people that think that you were too hard on them. There are going to be people that say, well, why didn't you ask this, this, and this? Always. So I, I knew going in, I did know going, and I'm, I'm thankful that I had the, the mind to know that because it got mostly good feedback and reviews, but obviously look, the veteran journalists that work for the athletic and other media outlets that I won't name were like, what the hell? Like, how'd she get it? Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> um, which was always nice. Cause so some people tried to dress that up. Like, uh, I'm just kind of wondering how that came to be. And I'm like, that's, that's a nice jealous. How the way, yeah. How the hell did you get that? But no, I'm, um, yeah, I'm proud of it looking back and just like really thankful that they trusted me with that because it was obviously something that he wanted to get off his chest. And the, the question that I got asked repeatedly, of course, was, do you believe him? Do you not believe him? And I've always said, um, it's, that's not my place to say whether I believe him or not. I didn't work in Houston when most of it happened. So I actually right. don't think I'm even qualified. Like, I don't even think I'm qualified to say that. Um, but I think it was great. He got the chance to say his piece and to tell people that he didn't know what was going on and to present that binder of evidence that he says he didn't know what was going on. And um, then just kind of go through his emotions of what that had been like. Um, at that point, when we did it, it was October and he had been fired in January. So uh, yeah, I mean, it was, it was good for him and his family and to get that off his chest and then kind of just take some time, which he has. It was obviously great for me. And I'm always going to really appreciate that he uh, and his family trusted me with that. And yeah, it was an interesting experience. And then we made it a, a 30, the whole interview was 40 some minutes, but we had to chop it up into 20 minutes or so for a 30 minute special. The full thing of course was online, but yeah, it was a good, it was a good experience for me. Um, you know, I look back and I'm like, well, oh, maybe I could have asked this or whatever, but overall there's, and you know, this cause you work in media, people from the outside looking in don't always, there's always a fine line you have to walk when, yeah. when somebody is giving you their time. Like if, if, you and I got Bill O'Brien on a, in a one-on-one -on -one exclusive where he's going to open up about his experience with the Texans. People would say, well, Paul, aren't you going to cuss him out and all that? And it's like, 
no. Like there are weird expectations that are put on you by people that you that expect you to do that, and and it's weird. And you're you're gonna find this out. It's because now you go from hey, I'm just I'm just doing the interview. I'm trying to get to the facts. Now after you do the interview, now you get to make your own conclusions off of that, which is. It's hard when you develop relationships with these people. I mean, you had to establish some sort of relationship with Luno where he was even going to be willing to, which is really impressive that you were able to, considering, as you said, you just came in, you know, that's, that's something that, you know, you're coming into as an completely independent party here, but now that's the next step. Like now all of a sudden you're going to be like, well, did I believe him? Did I not believe him? Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that I'm excited about is And that is probably, Paul, like one of the, (laughs) still one of the biggest differences, even though mediums are meshing and all of that, um, you are still in TV reporting. And if you're a writer expected not to have an opinion for the most part, and if you're in radio, you are. One of the things I'm excited about with you and I is that contrast of where, don't get me wrong, I'm gonna have takes and I'm gonna have an opinion but there might be times where you're a little more heated and more of an opinion because that's been your thing for so long. And if I have a guest coming on that I, it's not that I'm going to play it safe. I'll have opinions, but I do think that's more of your wheelhouse. And so Are I you saying I'm a hot take artist. We're done here. Have, the show's over. The, the blazing <laughs> hot takes, um, the blazing hot takes. but yeah, no, I think that's, that's one of the differences uh, that I'm kind of looking forward to. It it's, was like radio. Well, uh, I'm going to put you on the spot then for you to actually judge a press conference because in addition to being in Los Angeles this week, we'll talk about that in just a second, but you were at the Lovey Smith introductory yeah. press conference. Nick Casario's there, a fire alarm made an appearance. Has your opinion of where the Texans are going changed at all based off of the way that that entire day was handled? Because to their credit, I think that they did a decent job of portraying themselves in the best possible light after a weekend where things looked extremely messy. So, I mean, they, they, they took their ibuprofen, they drank their Gatorade, they shook off the hangover, (laughs) but I mean, Jesus over the weekend, you were there firsthand. What was your, what was the vibe that you took away from it? The process was really messy. I mean, to have your, your team's Twitter account, tweet out that there are three finalists and then to hire someone else to spend 20 million plus million firing David Coley for Lovey Smith. And there's a lot about it that was just so like, you, you, you like actually can't believe that it was as messy as it was. That being said, um, and I, I, I tweeted this too. It's like, don't, don't disrespect Lovey Smith because of that. He is experienced. Um, I texted with several of the players who could not have been more excited. They are like bought in. Um, Continuity. I imagine that that goes a long way. If you're blowing up the whole shop after blowing up the whole shop. And if you're someone there, you know, whether you're in and it feel like us in industry, say our bosses just get blown out or you're in that you're going to be nervous when all of a sudden everyone knew is coming in because they have their own opinions on different people. And they're going to want to bring their own guys in too. Yeah. I, I, yeah, process, process was weird. And I think, um, and I hope Nick Casario learns from that because I want him to do well. I think he will, but look, it's the second head coaching search that they've had. That's been really messy. And so he's drafted well, 
Nick Casario has, which I think is what matters much more. But it was it was messy. The process was messy, but I like the hire overall because um, <clears throat> they're not going to be really good next year. No, I don't. I think they could be better, um, but they're not going to be really really great. What Lovey brought up, and one of the reasons that I think that he is going to be so fantastic with media and with leading this team is he brought up, you know, the Bengals as an example of a quick turnaround. Now the Bengals had an interesting situation because they got the number one draft pick and then got Jamar chase because Joe got injured his rookie year. But uh, is that something that the Texans could try to model within the next couple of years of we're going to embrace the suck. We're going to pick really well. I think it is. And just, I bring that up because the fact that, Lovey had the mindset to say, everybody's leaving for the Super Bowl today. Let's bring up the Bengals as an example that we're not going to be bad for the next five years. Things like that, I, I think, make him a veteran with the media and then ultimately just the guys buying in. So I was impressed with the hire and really impressed with Lovey. Um, obviously, the process was not. Right. <laughs> a little messy. Is that a cat? That is my cat. That is my cat, Aria, who is, uh, has just been sitting in the window. Oh with my God. The blinds down. She's not even looking at anything. And she has just been sitting there like staring at a wall. And now she has no idea what she's doing. She's trying to get in the closet. She's trying to, she's freaked out by something. It must be my loud, loud my voice. It's probably my voice. She's no, she like, can't hear you. It's, it's all awesome. the headphones right now. I, I have no idea. Anyway, so how cats, many cats do you have? It's <laughs> just one, just okay. the one. Would I get two? I don't know. <laughs> well, here's the thing. So I like both cats and dogs. Dogs are so much fucking work. Like they're so oh. much work. And I've always felt that if I can't give enough attention to the dog, I would be a bad dog parent. Where a cat, I can leave for a week and she's fine. She, she's not gonna be thrilled, but if I leave out enough food and I leave a couple of litter boxes out and I leave out enough water, she's gonna be okay. Where with dogs, it's like, you need, they're like your child. And for some they people- They are. And but, it's funny you say that because I I have a dog and yeah. he's- What kind of dog? Half chocolate lab, half German short hair. <laughs> Excuse me. Um. And what's funny is like, well, it's not funny, it was sad, but I wanted to take him with me when I graduated college to Cincinnati, right? But then it was like, okay, I'm never gonna be home. So that would be cruel. And I'll be in an apartment complex. Right. And then when I moved to Houston, same thing, apartment complex with no yard, not to mention it's super hot, not to mention Ugh. I was working in local TV. So eight to 14 hour days. Ugh can do it. And so he's with my parents in our Indiana neighborhood where they have buku room. He has, he's so spoiled and that's hard. But like that, when you have a dog, you're right. You can't just, you can't, you can't have, you can't just casually leave a dog. No. <laughs> and some people need to be better at training their dogs. Cause some people, they have dogs and they bring them out. They're like, Oh, he's just, he's just excited. No. It's like, he is humping my leg. Can you he stop is, the something? He thing? is on my crotch, ma'am. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I always love that. Oh, he just likes you. Okay, well, this sure, is sure he does. He just bit my right. arm off. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I actually just took care of a dog over the weekend, and it was a puppy, and it was a very cute puppy. But puppies too. I mean, puppies are a handful. Like they're cute, 
And it's great when you're like the uncle, but when you're actually the caretaker and they're just barking nonstop and they and they all want the attention and you're watching TV and they're like, rawr, 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 rawr. it's like, okay, it's, you know, I need me time. <laughs> you need, yeah, dogs, dogs are a commitment. Dogs are a specific commitment. And I'm, but yeah, I mean, I, I like cats too. We had a cat growing up that my mom was like, it was like my mom's homegirl. Oh. Um, so I like cats. I'm more of a dog person, but yeah, I mean, you just have to know dogs deserve good homes. Dogs deserve places they can run around big. Yeah. Yard. And so I think you have to, you have to be in the right, like mindset and career and stage in your Definitely. life properly take care of a dog. You just explained why it's cool for me as a man to have a cat. And I appreciate oh. that. You're welcome. I will, I will make your Tinder profile. And your <laughs> you know what? We might have, to, that might have to be a segment that we do where we create oh, each other's dating profiles. And yeah. I'll make yours. And we, and we, and we just swipe right or left on random people. Yes. Oh my hey, God. look, it's James. Ooh, he's got a big old biceps. Let's go. Um, yeah, or the guys in Texas where they hold up their fish. Oh yeah, definitely. That's, I mean, so, so you guys have to deal with the person with the guy holding up the fish yeah. i have to deal with the girl who like went on a hike and has someone taking a picture of her like looking off into the distance that was the most annoying thing yeah <laughs> yeah exactly look at the hey, fucking not camera all, not, not all who wonder are lost <laughs> it's always a deep quote like that you aren't kidding and i i get I frustrated from a book they haven't read which is my problem <laughs> Why why do women not look at the camera sometimes when they're having a picture taken of them? Is it supposed to be candid? Because yeah, it always feels a, staged. It's called a fake candid. Um I like I I actually think actual candid pictures, like where you're caught off guard and all of that, are like really cute. I do but I think yeah, so too, but they like, never seem real. Yeah, the whole like uh <laughs> see that looks good though. You you've got practice clearly. I don't know. You might have a little basic in you. We, 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 I, oh, we all, well, you're more basic than I am. But that's we, true. But, that's but true. That's we, all true. A little, we all have a little basic in us. For oh, sure. No, no, no doubt about it. Okay. Uh, so in LA, what, who is, and it's Thursday, there's, there's still yeah. plenty of day left for you. It's not even noon for you. Right. Who is the coolest person or what is the coolest conversation that you have had while you were, while you were there thus far? So I actually haven't gotten to do much yet. I'm going actually to a dinner with our, our, one of our bo future bosses tonight. Cause they oh, nice. in LA and then I'm going to hit up a couple of parties with some of my NFL friends. Oh, so, so you're just going to have a good time. Okay. No big deal. Well, I mean, thanks for the invite. <laughs> yeah. Well, tonight will be tonight. We'll be more involved, but, um, but yeah, no, it's been cool. Like I think anytime you cover, I don't, if Super Bowl is the biggest one, right? But World Series, um, <clears throat> NFL Combine, anything that's a big event, it's fascinating to see uh, the different people and how they move. So you're walking on Radio Row and you see whatever, ESPN, NFL Live, and then you see Fox Sports and their show. And then you see the, ra you know, the Radio Row, which is like boom, 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 boom. And, you know, I'm good friends with Chris Myers from Fox, who's here and was like moderating a random panel. And I'm like, Chris, hi. And, um, you know, you just see like a lot of people in a, in a very not congested space because the convention center isn't like small, but um, it's fascinating to see that. And again, when you're a media nerd, 
seeing how involved everything is, their hair and makeup people, their, you know, their earpieces in. And then, you know, you have one person, Trevor Lawrence, who goes from this to this, to this, to this, and everybody's just kind of shopped through. So for me being a first timer um, at the Super Bowl, that's been really interesting to see. Cause I remember I felt that when I covered my first world series in 2019, the one that the Astros lost to the nationals, where I was just like, Whoa, like you walk in Minute Maid Park and it's like a Ron and Frank Thomas over here and then MLB network over here. And then all these celebrities and it's, it's very involved, but it's really cool. It's the first time I went to radio row and you know, this about me, I'm a Patriots fan. And it was in Phoenix before Super Bowl 49. <laughs> She's from Indiana. We, we'll get to, maybe we should talk about our favorite Patriots Colts memories because, oh because I or, have a lot of good what? ones. We will, we're going to save that for the show because okay. that's going to be fire. <laughs> you have, you have one that you can get after me with where I actually got grounded for what ended up happening. But uh, ba back to this. Um, the first time I went Super Bowl 49, you know, the Patriots were there and I was just like, Oh my God. Oh, it's, it's Troy Brown. Oh my God. William McGinnis. Uh, yeah, yeah. I was even getting nerdy for like random Boston sports media people who were like, who the hell is <laughs> oh my this God, asshole? Tom Curran or whatever. Yeah. Like. Oh, I love, I you know what though? Tom, Tom Curran is different. Tom Curran is a man apart. Right. He is, okay. he's fun. Yes. We had, we had drinks one night. That was a good time. That's awesome. Uh, uh, but yeah, there's other people that were like, who the hell is this asshole? Why is he like staring at me? Like you wants to make out with me. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I'm sorry. I just like listening to your show. Uh, so, um, uh, okay. You started off because you're born in Indiana, correct? How did you yeah. get from Indiana all the way to Houston? What were the, what were the stops that you made along the way? Cause I heard you mentioned Cincy too. Yeah. Cincy was cool. Um, I'm Terre Haute, which is like an hour from Indianapolis. So not a lot going on there, but it was a great place to grow up. Um, is it close there, to French Lick? No, but it's where Larry Bird went to college. So Indiana state is in. Yeah. That's my guy. Larry Bird, yeah, we'll my get, favorite we'll, person ever. We'll get to Larry. Okay. So that's one thing that we actually both like. Yes. Um, so my dad was at Indiana state when Larry was there. So Terre oh, Haute was a great place to grow up and the Indianapolis Colts actually trained for 10 years in Terre Haute, like in my backyard. So my dad and I would like walk to Colts training camp that, and that was back when it was twice a day, every day, full pads. Right. So it's like, Oh my God, Peyton Manning, Reggie Wayne, Jeff Saturday. It was a wow. really cool time from 99 to 2009 to just be in that, you know, in that area. So I went to college, a, a um, kind of a smaller private division two school, University of Indianapolis. It's not a lot of people have heard of it. It's not IUPUI or IU. It's just, but it was a great education. And when I was a freshman in college, very wide eyed and like, I knew I wanted to be a sports reporter or whatever. I actually um, got the opportunity to work for a radio station in Indy. And oh. here's the thing. It, was, it was a jazz and classical radio station. <laughs> <laughs> and the deal was I would do shifts, jazz and classical radio shifts. So I'd be like, I'm Vanessa and you're listening to <laughs> Ella Fitzgerald on the diamond, like, <laughs> the like sensual and sultry, right? As hey, it's me, Vanessa. <laughs> <laughs> it's Friday night. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't ever want anybody 
find those clips. But- oh no, now we have to. Now <laughs> we have to. No, <laughs> you shouldn't have even brought that up. No, I'm looking for yeah. that right away now. <laughs> but in re- you know, but because I did that, I got to be a sports reporter for that radio station, which meant this. By that time, Colts were training back in Anderson, which is north of Indy. And um, so I got to cover Colts training camp for the station and then cover the Indy 500, which is a huge deal, obviously, in Indy uh, for, for that radio station. So I would call in reports. I would do a couple of videos. It, it wasn't anything extensive, but being 19, 20, 21, covering the Colts and the Indy 500 was, you know, I mean, it's hands on. Right, Paul? Like, yeah. you just have to. You have to be hands on like it's you don't learn any you don't learn a lot in the classroom with media. It's all being out there, being in the locker room and all of that. So that was a great experience. I would you know, I I had a great aunt that lived near where the Colts trained at that point because they no longer were training in my hometown. So I would stay with her and go out there and do radio reports throughout the day. And I had like a little recorder and would have like, would be like interviewing, you know, in the scrum, Andrew Luck and all that. And so it was just, re- it was a good way to get experience. And then my um, junior year actually of college, Larry Bird's niece and who I'm friends with and some of his family members that live in Terre Haute were like, you know, you should audition to be like one of the video board people for the Indiana Pacers. And I was like, okay, well, they don't usually hire college kids, but that would be a great, you know, a great start. And so I ended up getting that. So I would, um, I would be the girl that would be like, all right, I'm in section 207. Oh, nice. Yeah. And, and we would do like the St. Elmo's shrimp cocktail eating contest with Robert Mathis and Marco Andretti. And it was just like very Indiana. Um, (laughs) but in Indianapolis Pacers games are a huge deal and it's nothing against like the Rockets, but like in Indy, Indianapolis, there's not as much to do. So it's a basketball state too. Right. I mean, it's, it's totally different. Games are social events and they're what you do. So, uh, to, to be like a video board jumbotron host for them was really good for me to dip my feet, you know? So by that time I'm covering the Colts and the 500 working for the Pacers and, the Indianapolis Indians hired me to do the same job, which the Indians are the triple uh, A. Right? Yeah. So I just really got hands on. And, you know, that's when it, whenever media people, you know, college students are like, what's your advice? It's always just go find a way to do it. Go find a way to doesn't matter. Yes. what it, is, it doesn't even have to be for a pro sports team, you know, just do it. <laughs> you don't even, you don't even need to major in whatever, field that you necessarily want. If you want to do this, just do it. You're like, you're a hundred percent right. I mean, I went to Syracuse's broadcasting school, but in retrospect, I learned I didn't actually need to go to the broadcasting school. (laughs) I could have just done all the campus radio stuff and I would have gotten the exact same experience. And maybe there were some other things that I got a little bit of extra feedback on, but yeah, it's just go do a million different things. And you'll have a resume coming out of college that nobody else will because they all think just going to class is going to cut it and it doesn't you kind of end up with your schmenzer in your hands afterwards if you you know didn't yes. do anything the whole way around if you if you just come out of college i feel bad for a lot of kids who didn't do anything but uh you know i put in the yeah. work and or, uh it helped and you know they do one internship and they're like okay i'm good so mm. when i by the time i graduated which would have been in 
May of 2017, I had a really nice resume and I, I, there was part of me that wanted to just stay in Indy and there was, cause I had so many great freelance jobs, but I knew that I needed to, um, go somewhere where I was on air, like all the time. And so instead of going to like a really small market and doing the full-time sports thing, there was a station in Cincinnati that was hiring. And it was a long story. It was like the president of this company was from Indiana and I had mutual friends with he and his family, whatever. So it was basically like this. There's, there's a traffic anchor position at the NBC in Cincinnati. And if you take that and you wake up and you anchor the traffic every day on this really great morning show, you'll also get to cover the Bengals and the Reds and uh, Friday night football, which isn't as big in Cincinnati as it is in Texas, but it's pretty major. So uh, yeah, so I did that and also did some news for two years. So I would wake up at two. Oh God. Four hour morning show. Oh. However bad you think that is, it's worse. It's like so I thought four thirty was bad, and I had to do that last job in Seattle uh, for a show that started oh, at seven. Right. And then in Houston, when I was doing it with uh, Mike and Seth on Mad Radio over yeah. on six ten, also I was getting up at like four. And I'm not a morning person. In fact, oh. this week, Vanessa, to try to get myself, and this is for a show that starts at ten. At I've 10. I bought I bought this alarm clock thing which i have to walk 50 paces when i wake up so that i stay out of bed because i am the snooze button is the worst thing that's ever happened to to the world i I well and if your phone dies or whatever it's like you're not waking up no no i have so i have like 36 alarms to set up to set up like 601 602 603 know that you'll be on time yes well hopefully hopefully hopefully. so yeah no i just i was in cincinnati for two years and that was a great start and so i i did that and then i knew excuse me i just burped because i had coffee this morning um it's fine we can burp you, you're on sports talk radio now like the, the listeners are all degenerates yeah we're fine you can just, you just burp um, it's fine i knew that i wanted to work in sports full-time so i uh applied for the job in houston with kprc got that great job for being at the time i would have been like 24 it was august of 20 yeah that's that's not a big market like this uh, that yeah. that's that quick out of school blessing. yeah uh so i moved here in august of 2019 and i had never been anywhere so hot in my life it's hot it's hot and i my first assignment was texans training camp in the houston summer heat i mean it oh, was no. unbelievable yeah and, um but, but really, I mean, I was at KPRC for two years. And although again, like I, I wanted to eventually grow that two years is really crucial. Um, just getting comfortable on air, making contacts. I had hired, you know, I had covered, um, Chuck Pagano and Marvin Lewis, but covering Bill O'Brien and that regime was very different and, um, covering all of these, you know, I think I'm cursed because I, everybody, you know, once I arrived in Houston, since then, every pro team has gotten a new coach and a new GM. And so covering, I mean, even the Dynamo and Dash, right? So yeah. Like, like, so I'm covering, you know, Daryl Morey and Mike D'Antoni, and then they leave and I cover that new regime. And then Luno and Hinch get fired and then O'Brien and O'Brien get fired. Um, you know, it was, it, so that's, it just was like this, this two years of like big J journalism camp, because 
you know, look, I'm not, I don't, I'm not going to get too in depth on any of this, but George Floyd was from Houston. So we interviewed and he was a damn good athlete. So for other sports departments across the country, it was here news people, not for us. I mean, it was news and sports. So I covered that. And then, you know, again, won't get too much into the weeds on this, but the Deshaun Watson situation. Oh boy. I can only imagine covering that and, with the lack of information available. Yeah. And, and calling the, the DA's office and Rusty Hardin and lawsuits and then covering the Astros cheating scandal. I mean, those are things that are completely like not what you expect to cover when you're 24, 25, like I'm going to move to a big market and I'm going to cover a bunch of really cool events. And then all of a sudden you're actually covering like some of the biggest sports stories of the last 30 years. And like serious, not really that sports sports stories. No. Like it was, you know, with the cheating, the cheating scandal was actually kind of fun to cover, but yeah, like the George Floyd stuff, the, um, Jesus. the Deshaun Watson situation, it was, those are serious topics. And so, um, you know, my girlfriends that worked in Tampa are covering, you know, all these parades for hockey and football. And then my friends that work in Boston are covering, you know, the, uh, the Boston sports scene. And I'm, but it was, but that was a good thing. I mean, it was a good thing. So anyway, that's a very long winded way of saying, I really felt like I, I, it feels like I was at KPRC for more than two years because it was like so much, so much. Yeah. Things, yeah. That happened. And, um, so yeah, that's, <clears throat> So that's the journey is Indianapolis, Cincinnati, and then, and then Houston. So you cover that, you cover that many things in just a couple of years, you already basically make yourself a part of the Houston landscape. And it's good for me because I was gone for all of that time. And it was weird, like watching from afar, sort of, sort of defending the Astros because you're like, yeah, you do defend the Astros. I mean, I I can't help it. I, I I like teams who cheat, you know, the Patriots, the Astros. It's it's yeah. We, I, I know. Trust me. <laughs> I was interning for Bob Kravitz during the plate game. Oh, Jesus. You're, you're, you're partly to blame. There will be no Bob Kravitz and Colt slander. <laughs> Fine. I, I won't, I won't slander Bob Kravitz. I will definitely slander the Colts. Yeah. You're going to have to slander the Colts a little bit, you know, or, or pretend like you pretend like you are, uh, Oh, you know, I've grown past the Colts a little bit. I will be fair. I will be very fair. Okay. I will be diplomatic. Okay, cool. That's good. And the good thing is too, it's not like the Colts are totally kicking the Texans ass the way that they used no, to. No, no. And, and the text, you know, the, the two, the other thing is that the Texans have just brought so much of it on themselves. Oh, like, I know they've made it easy. They really have it, it kind of deserve I mean, it at this point. You're at the point to where the Jags are in a better position. The oh, Jags. God, you're right. I mean, they hired Doug Peterson. Okay. So yeah, Doug's yeah. great. And Doug's, and then they have a, amazing PR person who's going to really help navigate every situation. Trevor Lawrence I've heard is incredible. So yeah, the Texans have done all of this to themselves. They really have. Hopefully it, it, it gets a whole lot better. And hopefully the Houston sports scene gets a little bit sunshinier and we will be talking about it every single day. I cannot wait to get started on Monday. So make sure you're tuned yeah. in 10 o'clock ESPN app. Uh, you can watch it on the ESPN Twitch. And I'm sure we'll have a podcast link, all sorts of different things. Uh, Vanessa, thank you so much for stopping by and let's go. Let's get it. Paul, so excited. Or should I say gallant? You say whatever you want. I mean, some people call me Paulie G. Some person uh, used to call me Bootsy. Uh, (laughs) Bootsy? 
Bootsy. Yeah, Josh Ennis used to call me Bootsy because he thought I was so young my first day when I came on to the job, like 22. Uh, he was like, who is this kid? Is he allowed to work here? I do get the whole like being an infant and surrounded by, I mean, I'll never forget my first NFL combine when, when I met, you know, media people and coaches. And I was a college student in Indy, so I was young. And they're like, what, where, where do you fit into this scenario? And I'm sure it was the same with you at 610, but to your credit, you really built something around it. So I think that's awesome. I, I, I hope so at the very least. And we're going to build more stuff. It's going to be fun. So make sure you're tuned in. Vanessa, you're the best. Thanks, Paul. See you Monday. Big thanks to everybody who tuned into today's episode of the Galan Says Podcast. If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, review, like, whether it's on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or YouTube. Of course, going forward, at least for this coming week, we're going to be doing this show live on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Gallant Says. You can catch it 2 o'clock Central Time every single day. If you want to interact with the show, talk to me live as it's going. That's how you do it. So please subscribe along the way. Until Monday with the debut of the Vanessa and Gallant Show on ESPN 97.5. Download the 97.5 app. You can also watch on the 97.5 Twitch as well. So long. Farewell. Have yourselves a wonderful weekend.